Man, we serve an awesome God, don't we? Man, we serve an awesome God. Yes. Go ahead, brother. Look at him. Look at him walking. Praise the Lord. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You were just waiting to do that, weren't you? You couldn't wait to do that. (laughs) How do you follow that? Wow. Um, Before I get started, um, just two quick uh, things. See here? Grant, yeah, Grant's here. Uh, next Sunday, um, obviously my last Sunday, but next Sunday uh, we're going we're gonna to go out in a glorious way. Grant Hershberger, wave your hand back there, Grant. That's Grant. Um, recently graduated, just a, just a neat, neat young man, and he's going to be baptized next Sunday. So we're excited for that to happen. Amen. Okay. So I wanted to let you know about that special time that's happening. Um, and also, as I get into my message, uh, I just wanted you to know that um, um, this, this past week I had to do some work on my washer and a sink down the basement, and I had to disconnect. <laughs> I shut the water off, just so you know, all right? Wow, that's what it takes to get a hand, to get an applause, huh? It's pretty bad, so... <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Dave. Yeah. I thought, you know what? Uh, this was a successful, and I needed to share it with my church family. Go to Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. And we're concluding today and next week in this passage. Wow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Reuben, all the times that I came to visit you, you said, I'm going to walk again. I guarantee you, I will walk again. And... Um, with God's help, you have done that. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that testimony. We've been in this for about a month now. Um, Romans 8.28. You may recall me saying at the beginning of this series, uh, I said this right here. This verse, Romans 8.28, is a promise that is available to everyone, but it's not just for anyone. This verse is a promise available for everyone, but it's not just for anyone. A little bit of a play on words there. Notice that this promise does not say, Romans 8.28, notice it does not say, we know that all things work together for good, and then that's it. It does not have a period there, but it continues on to say, This, we know that all things work together for good to those 
who love the Lord. I guess one could say this is the fine print in this contract. Right? This reminds us that Romans 8.28 is not some simple, cute little saying that just anyone can put on the, uh, like a bumper sticker on the back of their car. It's not without conditions. This promise is only for those who meet the requirements. In church, God just laid out the requirements for this promise to be true. God just told us that this promise has a requirement, and the requirement is for those who love the Lord. Now, you may be able to say a lot of things about my preaching, but I don't know that there's one thing that you could say I've, that I've never told you the truth. I've always tried to tell you the truth, even when it stings. And this point might sting a little bit today. For those who love the Lord. I can't remember if I gave this illustration or not, but there's many of you that I know didn't hear it. Uh, Back when Parker was in the sixth grade, I went with him to Washington, D.C., the annual sixth grade D.C. trip that so many kids take today. And I believe we were touring the uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson Memorial. And, of course, there were kids and adults everywhere. And... um, I remember seeing this one adult that had an Ohio State t-shirt on. And I just immediately felt connected with that person. I just immediately felt at home. And I, I mean, they were about as close from, from here to my piano. I mean, we were walking by, but uh, pretty loud. I walked by him and I went, O-H! And that's about what I heard right there. <laughs> there was nothing. And I thought, you know what? He may call himself a fan. He may look like he's a fan. But anybody who is a fan knows that whenever I say O-H, you say I-O. It just is there. He was no fan. (laughs) Many people say they love God. But this promise is not for those who say they love God. It's for those who actually love God. What about you and me? If if loving God were a crime, and in some countries it is, but if loving God were a crime, would we be convicted or would we be released because of a lack of evidence? This message is not going to be about judging anyone. Whether or not someone is a follower and a lover of God is ultimately between that person and God. But, folks, we cannot get around this part of the verse. We're breaking this verse down word by word. We talked about we know that all things work together for good. Those were some great thoughts. But then he brings us to this next sentence. Or to those who love the Lord. You cannot get past this verse without diving in. Cannot gloss over what God's Word says here. Um, 
I've re- briefly referred to this in a message, and we've been studying this. But we've been recently, one of the first religions we studied on Wednesday nights in our different uh, religions and cults was Hinduism. I'm not sure how familiar all of you are with Hinduism, but Hinduism teaches that God does not exist, which means that there is no God for mankind to love, no God for mankind to worship, and, and ultimately what that means is there is no, lo- no God to love or care for us. They teach that mankind is on the same level as nature itself. We have no individual personalities. We're no different than the stars, the clouds, the trees. We're no different than dirt. This eliminates the concept or concepts such as love and compassion. Morality no longer exists. No, there's no difference between good and evil. There ultimately, when you take that religion at its base value, there is no difference in loving someone or killing someone. And freedom of choice is gone. Oh, the need to be loved and to love. That is a natural-born desire that every every human being has when they are born into this world. Just ask those here that are teachers, and they can probably tell you exactly the kids in their class who have not grown up in a home where love has been offered. There is turmoil, there is strife, there is... Division, there is dissension, there is dysfunction. Something, there's a disconnect with this love issue somewhere at home. But I'm so glad that life isn't pointless, life isn't meaningless. It's not some meaningless state of existence. Instead, I know it's a basic point, but instead there is a God who loves us. Psalm 86:15 But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 1 John 4:7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And praise the Lord, you and I were made to love one by one who loved us so much that He sent His one and His only Son. The main point that I'm trying to get across here with this part of this verse is that when we accept the gravity of what an eternal, loving, divine God has done for each and every one of us, when it hits us, when we realize what this God has done, and then when we accept the free gift of grace, when we accept salvation in Jesus Christ, loving and living for this God should be our greatest joy in life. Amen? It should be. Think about that. When it all hits you, when you realize that there is a God who loves you, there is a God that sent His Son to die for you, there is a God who offers uh, forgiveness of sins, and you experience that forgiveness of sin, nothing else matters in life but to love and to serve and to live for that God. There is a, a verse that I want to look at that's kind of obscure with this point, but I think you'll see what I, what I mean. Actually, I'm not going to... I don't think it's in there. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. 
Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Keep your thumb in Romans 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A popular verse that we've often heard. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yeah. Verses 6 through 9. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. It says, the apostle said, So we are always confident, knowing that while we were at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. In verse 9, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to the Lord. One of these days I may die from a heart attack. I may succumb to a stroke or maybe involved in an automobile accident. Maybe cancer is going to get me or maybe old age. Whatever happens, this verse that we just read should remind us that whether we live or whether we die, our one goal, our one aim should be the last couple words of that verse. The Apostle Paul just said, to be well-pleasing to Him. That is our life's goal. To love the Lord. How important is this little portion of Romans 8.28 whenever the religious leaders came upon Jesus and asked him, Rabbi, what is the greatest teaching, the greatest commandment of all? You know that Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. If you want to look at me, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Just go a few pages back. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20. Through 22. Yeah. Second Corinthians 1, 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. What, what am I trying to say? Why did I bring out this verse? This verse here tells us that every single promise of God, from Genesis to Revelation, every promise is guaranteed, but it's only for those who love the Lord. See, that's the fine print, isn't it? That's, that's the conditional part of all of this. Verse 22 just reminded us that it's in Him all the promises are yes. And it's for those who are sealed in the Holy Spirit. Those who are sealed in Him. Who are those that are sealed in the Holy You and I, those of us who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. In other words, the promises, and not just Romans 8, 28, 8, but all the promises are for those who have loved the Lord. This is what I meant Whenever I said Romans 8.28 is available to everyone, but it's not just for anyone. Still not sure if you believe that. There's a couple of verses I'll point out to you. Deuteronomy 7.9 says this. Let me get to that. 
There it is. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. 1 Corinthians 2.9 Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Oh, so many people just want to put the period at the end. God has prepared at the end of prepared. You may have mentioned this before. But when we talk about heaven, when we talk about what God has prepared for us, try and think of it. We've done that all of our life. We've tried to think about what heaven's going to be like. When you try to think about it, that's not going to be it because you just thought about it. The Bible just told us that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, hasn't even entered into your mind yet. I think I talked about that one time with Millie when I went to go visit Millie. Whatever it is you think heaven will be, just get it out of your mind because it just entered your mind and the Word of God just said, nope, it's greater than that. Think of something else. Once you come to that, nope, it's going to be greater than that because you've thought of it. But it's only for those who love Him. Another verse, James 1.12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life, praise the Lord, that God has promised to those who love Him. God's promises are for God lovers only. How does all this apply to Romans 8, 28? Sometimes God will test us in order to test our love to Him. I've run into some people throughout my lifetime that do not believe that God will test His people. I do not believe that to be true. I believe there are times when He will test His people. Times when He will allow you and I to experience financial difficulties. Times when He'll allow us to experience physical challenges relationship issues or difficulties at the workplace or at school. Again, you don't think that God tests us? Look at what He said in Deuteronomy 13. The Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love Him with all your heart, with all your soul. I'm not going to get into the dynamics of, well, God purposely made that horrible thing happen and I just know that He will allow things in our life. Sometimes it's our own fault, isn't it? Sometimes we, we kind of create our own storms, but that's a different message. Perhaps, though, God is watching to see in this storm that you're in, in this difficulty that you're in, perhaps He's watching to see your reaction. your reaction to the difficulty of the trial, and will it rival your trust? Will it uh, supersede your loyalty, your devotion, and your dependence on Him? And if God, we know, at times will test us, then sometimes we need to test ourselves. I was driving in town the other day, and you've seen this before, but on a lot of cars it says, how's my driving? You know what I'm talking about? How's my driving? Most of the time, whenever you want to call on somebody who's not a good driver, they're so far out of your way that you don't even have time to get the number down to call to tell people how they're doing. But 
How are we doing? Sometimes we need to self-evaluate ourselves. We can get a really good idea or a relatively good idea of our love for God by answering the following questions. Here we go. You don't have to write these down unless you want to, but you can answer these questions just to yourself right now as maybe a little gauge to how you're loving God. Have I committed my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Notice I said the word commit. That's a big word. Have I committed my life to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord? Am I spending time daily in the Word and in prayer? Notice I said daily. Am I doing my best to live out what He tells me through His Word and through times of communion and times of prayer? Do I enjoy worshiping Him? I've got to be honest with you, through much of my earlier life, worship was never really even a concept in my life. I didn't really know what worship meant. I just know that Jesus saved me and I want to go to church and I want to live for him. But man, the last 15 to 20 years, God has just birthed this idea of just worshiping him. How much time do we spend just worshiping our God? I'm not just talking about singing songs. I'm talking about just being in His presence and not opening this. And just breathing in His presence. Worshiping Him by so many different ways and means in life. I don't want to get up on a tangent with that. Another question is, my lifestyle holy? Amen or ouch to that? How holy is my lifestyle? Do I radiate his joy, especially during the hard times? Do I radiate his joy, especially in the hard times? There are times whenever I have failed miserably with that. And the last question that we could ask ourselves, do I like people? Right? I have to love people, but I don't always have to like them, right? That doesn't mean I always have to like people. We've got to love them. How much do I like people? Are there people in my life that I am purposely not being Christ to? Are there people in my life that I am purposely being rude to or not showing the love of Christ? Do I have a heart for anyone other than myself? This is probably the most uncomfortable part of this verse that I'm talking about today. Not a whole lot of amens that I'm going to preach. One of the more difficult things for me to preach, but folks, we have to address this. Because Romans 8.28 is not just for anyone, or not just for everyone. It's so easy for us to forget all this, especially in North America, the North American church. Amen? Yeah. Second Timothy 3, 4 says this, In the last days, perilous times will come, hear this, for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Wow, we see in that. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, and listen to this, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of 
God. Having a form of godliness, wearing the Ohio State t-shirt, it looks like they're a fan, but they're lacking the power thereof. I'm just preaching to myself. You allow the Lord to deal with you, however. Are we, am I loving God by the kind of entertainment that we're watching, the purchases that we're making? Are we honoring Him with our tithes? Thank you, Cheryl. That was an awesome message for the kids. Are we honoring God with our tithes and offerings? And may I say this? This is another ouch. It's easy to see kids give some money in an offering plate and say, oh, how cute, but we're not doing it ourselves. It's a great lesson for the kids to learn. Keep preaching it, Cheryl. Ah, but God understands the needs in my life. He, he knows the bills that I have. He knows the things that are taking place. He understands maybe in a couple months, maybe in a couple years, I'll, I'll try and start... Getting quiet. What kind of thoughts play out in your mind throughout the day? Are they pure? What kinds of attitudes are you displaying at work? Can they tell that you are a lover of God where you work, with your attitudes, with your work ethic? Husbands, are you loving your wives? Wives, how are you honoring your husbands? Kids, kids, I'm glad the kids are in here today. Kids, listen to this. Not only, kids, not only are you respecting and honoring and obeying your parents, but how do you talk to your parents? Are you talking to your parents with love and respect, or do you give them an attitude? Mm. What is the tone that you're using with mom and dad? Is Jesus pleased with the frequency of church attendance and church involvement? How about the way that we share our faith to others? This is a big amen or ouch point right here. These are hard questions. I'm going to get off this portion and go to the last part. These are hard questions, but I'm not preaching perfectionism. Don't get me wrong. Nobody is perfect. That's not what I'm saying, but we can't get away. All things work. We know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. How are you loving Him? How am I loving Him? Are we loving Him in a way that will allow Him, and this is the crux of this point, are we loving Him in a way that will allow Him to work everything out for our good? See, if we're fighting against God, if we're not loving God, if we're not living for God, then we can't say that whatever it is that we're going through is going to work out for the good. Remember what we said that uh, without Jesus Christ, we can say that we know that all things will not work out for the good to those who don't know the Lord, to those who are not called according to His purpose. Life is indeed bleak. Life may be like just like Hinduism. But with God, with Jesus Christ, He can work out the worst situations for our good. Just look at Reuben. Look at what he's doing with Reuben. Not look at what he's done. He's still doing a work in Reuben's life. He's still in the process. Let me go on to the last portion. We know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. Why did you get up this morning? 
Don't, don't answer that. Why did you get up? Why do you get up in tomorrow morning? What's your purpose in life? For many people, they get up because of their family. They get up for a husband or a wife, or they get up for their kids. Some people get up for their job. Some people get up just so they can get to TGIF. Some people get up just so they can live for the weekends. Having a purpose, a real purpose in life is really what helps get us out of bed in the morning. Having a reason to live is what keeps people going. And we should pity the person who has no reason to get out of bed. Dare I say there's someone here this morning that you have a hard time getting yourself out of bed because of just the things that you're facing. You also know someone who has a purpose, and that's God. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose, not just for your life, but God, listen to this, God has a purpose for every single thing that happens to us. Don't miss that. There is a Jeremiah 29:11 for every occur, event that occurs in my life and in your life. And let me tell you that true fulfillment, true peace, true contentment, true satisfaction comes only when we acknowledge that our sole purpose is to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind. Period. Our sole purpose in life is to love and serve our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, period, exclamation mark. Everything else will fall short of the purposes and the plans that God has. Now, God's plans for us oftentimes has a wife, has a husband, has a family, has a job. He uses all of that. But none of those things will supersede pleasing and living for him. Those of you who grew up in the 70s and 80s, like I did, you remember the group, the Imperials? Remember the group, the Imperials? That was kind of one of my favorite groups growing up. They sing a song, Lord, I praise you just because of who you are. Not for all the mighty things and all the mighty deeds that you have done. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. It's all the reason that I need to voice my praise is because of who you are. See, that's the worship that I'm talking about. In other words, our highest goal is not only just to love God and serve God, our highest goal is to be just like Jesus. To be just like him. And God, in his infinite wisdom, wants to use everything that happens to us, church, as a tool for the good. He wants to use everything that has happened in our life just to get us to look just like Jesus. 
a number of years ago, and I'm going to try and bring this in for a landing. A number of years ago, a missionary to India, of course, you know, I just kind of lied when I say that. All preachers lie when they say that, but you know what, I'm like, I'll do the best I can. My intentions are good. A number of years ago, a missionary to India, a lady named Amy Carmichael, she took a number of kids uh, to one of the villages to where they had goldsmiths that, and some of you understand this concept, but they had gold, uh, goldsmiths that would make gold in the old ancient ways. Um, they would have a charcoal fire, and then in the charcoal fire was a piece of tile from a roof. And then on top of that tile was another piece of tile that made like a homemade furnace whenever that tile was placed into the fire. And into this furnace, or another word called crucible, the refiner would put ingredients like salt, tarramaran fruit, burned black brick dust, And embedded into these different ingredients, the refiner would put a piece of gold, just would put a nugget of gold. And the refiner told Amy this. He said, the the fire is working on the gold nugget by eating it away. From time to time, he would lift the gold out with tongs, let it cool, rub it and work it with his fingers with the gloves on. And then he would return it to the crucible and blow the fire hotter than it ever was before. The refiner would then say, the nugget could not bear it hot this, the the nugget could not bear it this hot at first, but it can bear it now. What would have destroyed it then helps it now. And Amy asked, how do you know when it's done and how do you know when the gold nugget is pure? And the refiner said this, I'll know that it's pure when I can see my reflection in it. Sometimes things in this life don't make sense. Sometimes there will be things in this life that we'll never really be able to answer this side of heaven. But there is one thing that we can know for sure. For the believer, God can use even the pain that you're going through. Even things that we can't understand as crucibles. He can use them all as furnaces, as crucibles, in order to refine us and purify us until His reflection can be seen in our life. Look at what Romans 8, go back to Romans 8. This is kind of cool. It's not just a coincidence, but it's all planned and all purposed out. Look what Romans 8, the very next verse after 28. Very, uh, Romans 8, 29 says, let me read 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And here's 29. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
This is why every circumstance in life can turn out for the good to those who love God. God does not waste anything, and He has a purpose for everything in life. He has a purpose for everything in life. Paul knew a little bit about the furnaces and the crucibles in life. All the different trials and things that he went through. Just go to 2 Corinthians 11 and read about it. But it's all in an effort to make us look just like Christ. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. And then Job. Hmm. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out. As pure gold. I am going to conclude with this last story. Not necessarily the most exciting of messages, so to speak, but maybe it's speaking truth into someone's life right now. Um. This lady here has been an inspiration to many people. Some of you know her story, but you might not know all the specifics, and I want to read a little bit about this in closing. Uh, Mandy, come on up. Joyce, if you could come up. I think we're going to sing page 629. Page 629. Listen to this. Fanny Crosby's... Fanny Crosby, who wrote thousands of our favorite songs was blinded when she was just six weeks old. She was blinded through the malpractice of a doctor. Her mother anguished for years about this, and understandably so, but she also consoled Fanny as the child grew up, telling her that sometimes the Lord permits one of his children to go without the sense of sight or hearing, in order for the child to develop other senses more fully and so fulfill God's purpose in life. Did you hear that? To fulfill God's purpose in life. So Fanny developed a phenomenal memory, listen to this, learning much of the Bible by heart. Wow. Out of this treasury came a torrent of hymns and gospel songs unequaled in Christian history. Writing about this in 1903, listen to Fanny's words. Quote, The poor doctor who had spoiled my eyes soon disappeared from the neighborhood, and we never heard any more about him. He is probably dead before this time, but if I could ever meet him, I would tell him that unwittingly he did me the greatest favor in the world. I have heard that this physician never ceased expressing his regret at the occurrence and that it was one of the sorrows of his life. But if I could ever meet him now, I would say thank you, thank you, over and over again. Thank you for making me blind, for it was through your agency that all of this has come about. Why would I not have the doctor's mistake reversed? There are many reasons. One is that I know, although it may have been a blunder on the physician's part, it was no mistake of God's. 
I very, I verily believe it was his intention that I should live my days in physical darkness so as to better be prepared to sing his praises and incite others to do so. I could not have written thousands of hymns, many of which, if you will pardon me for repeating it, are sung all over the world. I would not have been able to write all of those hymns if I had been hindered, listen to this, if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that have would been presented to me in this world. Wow. Man, could I have that kind of perspective? I don't know. God called Fanny Crosby to such a purpose. But thank the Lord she chose to allow her crucible to make her look more and more like Jesus. Maybe instead of asking the question, why? We need to ask the question, how? God, how can you use this crucible that I am in to make me look more and more like you? How can you use this crucible, God, in order to purify me to where I'll be a reflection of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing one of the songs that she wrote. You probably have already seen that, page 629. We're going to sing one of the songs that Fanny Crosby wrote. I'm not going to delay this. You've been patient. Again, if you feel like there's something that you need to pray about, you want someone to pray with you, you can come over here. If you want to pray by yourself, you can come on this side of the altars. Would you stand with me, please? Let's stand. Father, we've talked about some hard things this morning. But God, we can't get around the truth. We can't avoid the truth. We can't avoid what your word tells us. That all the promises in you, God, are yea and amen. They're yes. They're For us, all of them are for us, but for those of us who have called, and not just called, but have made you Lord and Savior of our life. For those of us who are loving God. God, that's just a question that we have to ask ourselves. May we intentionally, Psalm tells us, search me, O God, know my heart today. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, this morning, we give you permission to look at our hearts and our lives. Peer into us and see if there is anything that ought not be there. Not just so that we can get things from you, but God, we want to be a reflection of who you are. We want to be a reflection so that we can draw all people to you and so that we can even have the difficulties and the the hardships in our life point people to Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Maybe there's someone here, Lord, that needs to do business with you. We ask all this and ask for them to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.